Sponsorship of the KQED live audio stream comes from Xfinity Mobile, featuring customized wireless plans. Customers can choose unlimited, buy the gig, shared data, or a mix of both and switch it up anytime. Learn more at XfinityMobile.com. From KQED in San Francisco, this is the Writer's Block. I'm Daniela Perdomo. I'm an editor for Opium Magazine. We're a literary humor publication that features fiction and poetry, along with cartoons, art, and a progressive design. For all things opium, go to opiummagazine.com. The stories you'll be hearing today are featured in Opium 6's Go Green But Save Me First issue, which released in May 2008. They're the top 10 finalists in our 250-word bookmark contest. Um, It was the latest in a series of competitions which challenges writers to pen a story that would fit on a bookmark. The results were strange, wonderfully imaginative, tiny pieces, and we hope you'll enjoy them. My name is Rachel Kong. I'm a writer living in San Francisco, but I will soon be moving to Gainesville, Florida. I have nonfiction forthcoming in Meat Paper, your journal of meat culture. I will be reading my story, Two Eggs, Any Style. How she began seeing her 16-year-old son's biology teacher was at the high school's open house by posing questions prompted by a poster on his wall. Why flightless birds have wings, why ancient whales had small hind feet, why blind mole rats have tiny eyes covered completely by a layer of skin. I had appendicitis when I was eight, she said, a tonsillectomy when I was 17. My wisdom teeth were taken from me at age 19, and sometimes I feel as though I missed them. Goosebumps, he said, catching sight of her arm, a vestigial response to stress meant to raise the hair of our evolutionary brothers. What makes you think I'm nervous, she said, and he shrugged. I didn't mean anything by it. It's just, we used to have fur. This was the same day her son announced that he would be playing bass in a band called Two Eggs Any Style. Over dinner at her place, the biology teacher thought it appropriate to return to that first topic of conversation. There were times, he explained, when he regretted his lack of cloven feet. Deer play tag with their hooves, and cows have a special relationship with the grass. Their hooves spread the seed. She remembered how once she'd caught her ex-husband weeping, having heard news of conjoined twins who did not survive their surgery. In the basement, the band was practicing. Somebody sang about misplacing your glasses and feeling for them. The loneliness. Someone else shook an egg. My name is John Wolanski, and I'll be reading Reading by Darby Larson. The wall was covered with shelves full of paper-bound, dark-green books. I pulled one out. It smelled like rotten fruit salad. I took it back to my oversized blue chair and set it on my lap. I looked out my window, and out my window was a black hole. It loomed like an evil spiral next to my house. I held the book up to my nose. It was definitely rotten fruit. There was no writing on the cover of the book, nor the spine, nor the back. I looked out my window at the black hole. It made a sound like a gurgling elephant. Just then, the United States Army marched into the room. One by one, they took a book from the shelf and dove headfirst through the window and into the black hole. They looked like old soldiers from an old war. They kept coming and going and coming and going. All was still except for the black hole that gurgled like an evil elephant out my window. I went to the window and stuck my head inside the black hole and looked around. I was looking at the room I was in. 
I saw myself asleep in the chair. The room smelled of fresh fruit salad, and the bookshelves were filled with books of vibrant colors and shapes. A million children sat on the floor, quietly reading. Darby Larson lives in Northern California. I'm Erin Carter, and I'll be reading Industry by Pedro Ponce. I arrive with instruments and specimen vials. Ready when you are, she says. She arranges her hair and bathrobe, but what I need is spontaneous, unposed. She shrugs as I circle my camera. I record the squeak of her sneeze, the rasp of her slurping coffee. I tweeze cinnamon strands, root and all. She winces skeptically. This is more than enough for a novel, I say. I thought I'd try an essay, maybe some poems. You're not a poet. There are handbooks, I reply, gauging lashes with calipers. I catalog music, books, movies. I take swatches of outerwear and intimates, her cosmetics palette, archival sheets. I bag the samples and tell her to undress. She lifts her sweatshirt, revealing lacy rosettes taut against her belly. Slower, I say. She finishes piece by piece. I track the flaking scarlet of toenails, the tiny mole on her neck. I refocus and tell a familiar joke. It still makes her laugh. I get several useful shots. I remind her that things have changed. Her smile flattens, a trembling crease. Her face fills the viewfinder, proximity prompting her lips to slide apart in the muteness of remembered assent. I snap and withdraw. She rolls onto her side. That was nice. What was, I ask, reviewing what I've taken. This, she says, I was worried. You said I wanted to. Closure, I crack. Don't say I never delivered. I feel her stare as I edit. A small price to pay. My work nearly done. Pedro Ponce teaches at St. Lawrence University. His fiction has appeared recently in Many Mountains Moving, Marginalia, and Tin Parachute Postcard Review. Hi, my name is Matt Libell. I'm a San Francisco writer, and uh, I write stories whenever I have the chance. Compliment my haircut at my website, www.mattlibell.com. I'll be reading my story, Heartless. My heart got broken, so I built a new one, out of rags and twigs and fast food straws and empty toilet paper rolls and red dye number five, and I walked around with my heart on the outside, and all the cardiologists were stumped. They chalked it up to the ineffable power of the mind. But then I fell in love again, and she noticed my heart masking tape to my t-shirt pocket. And I told her it was a makeshift heart, so if you crush it, I'll die. And she told me, Scout's honor, she'd never do that. But in the end, she was a serial heartbreaker. She needed her fix. So she crushed my stand-in heart to a powder, and I went into cardiac arrest. And now I'm dead, but it's okay. Because we don't really need to feel anything here. We mostly spend our days watching television, playing golf, and eating decadent meals. And sometimes we look down through the plexiglass screens on the still living, so fussy and fickle with their feelings, their delicate egos driven by these bloody pink balloons of flesh and muscle. And we want to tell them everything will work out. But another smaller part of us, the part still clawing savagely at scraps of life, wants them to suffer just like we did. <laughs> 
through all the joy and the angst and the pain. We love to watch them squirm, because in the end, we're nothing more than heartless bastards, as I'm sure you'll become too someday. My name is John Wolanski. I'll be reading Minnesota Menage by Jack Swinson. Party over. Harpo was propped up against a wall with a wastebasket on his head. One of the Swedish nurses was snoring in an armchair. I tiptoed down the hall, opened a door, and squeezed into the room, which was as lightless as the inside of a minnow bucket. I couldn't see a thing, but I knew where she was. I peeled off my shorts and Gopher Nation t-shirt, stepped out of my shoes and crawled into bed. She woke up then. Oh, my goodness, she said. I talked to her, whispering endearments and flattery. I told her how incredible it felt to be between her legs. I described the sensations in <laughs> graphic language, using with relish all the naughty words. When I told her what a nice big behind she had, she giggled. Heroic, she said. The alcohol in my bloodstream became my ally, and my youth gave me strength, and I rode her until the bed springs sang the ode to joy. Then we heard the thump of flesh and bone hitting hardwood. Her husband, my friend, mumbling and grumbling, climbed back into bed. Our athletics bit by bit had bounced him to the edge of the mattress, and he had rolled off onto the floor. I lay on my back, staring up into the bright darkness with my lady's head on my shoulder. Both of us were shaking. We lay there, the fulsome woman and her ardent swain, laughing our heads off without making a sound. You can find Jack Swenson any day in Fremont, California. He's the one with the AARP logo on his cap. To subscribe to the Writer's Block and hear more stories, please visit www.kqed.org slash writersblock. The Writer's Block is produced by KQED.